Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. Use the code HOUSE at checkout for 20% off your order and free shipping. Manscaped, the best products on the market. I'm Jake and that's Will, and we had a busy couple of days here in the House Enterprise world. Uh, welcomed on a new brand in College Hoops Digest. Very exciting stuff as the college basketball season gets underway as soon as this airs, basically. Um, and I'm not going to lie, today, Tuesday, November 9th, this is my Christmas. Every year comes around, and there's nonstop college basketball. Almost every team's playing. If they're not playing today, they're playing tomorrow. This is a holiday. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to college basketball. Um, I just, yeah, I just, I cannot believe it. It's already started. Obviously, you know, it's a full slate of stuff in preparation for March. So buckle up. I mean, a lot of sports to digest right now, but adding college basketball to your plate is obviously got to be a priority and uh, adding college hoops digest to this brand as well is going to be huge. Um, We're really excited for that. A lot of incredible content, a lot of great writers too. We're actually having the founder, Josh Adams. You might recognize his name from our Ravens blog. Uh, He'll be joining the show at the end to, uh, you know, talk about the inception, the collaboration, and uh, maybe some predictions as well. So exciting stuff ahead for this episode. Yes, there is. We bring in our favorite or everybody's favorite conspirator, Conspiracy. Our our buddy Connor becomes a select few group of recurring guests here on Beers, Business, and Balls. We talk a lot about uh, all the hottest conspiracies, honestly. you know, we, we discuss aliens, of course, uh, Elon Musk, all the stuff we cover business, um, stick around for that one. It was a great conversation with Connor as always. And then we'll hop into our conversation with Josh and we'll close things out. So let's get going. We've got some beer to review. Um, you can go first. Um, I've got one from Sam Adams that Mm -hmm. all, (laughs) I didn't really drink too much beer this week. So I had to go with a mainstream brand, one of my favorites. Um, but it's fitting for this time of year. So the floor is yours. Yeah, no, it was another slow week as well. Uh, one that I did have that was from a brewery up in Cooperstown, New York, a familiar name in brewery Omegang. It was a pale ale Belgian style. Um, it was called Rare Voss, V-O-S, um, which in Belgian is the strange fox. Fun fact of the day. Um mm. So uh, pretty much it was smooth, easy drinking, amber ale, um, kind of had some flavors, uh, some fruit flavors. Um, I thought it was just an interesting one. It came out a nice color. Uh, anytime I see Brewery Gang, it's like I'm always, uh, you know, I, I like their style. They have really good, uh, you know, saisons. They have very good ales. Uh, you know, it's just that more that European style, that true that true European beer that we kind of talked about with moniker as well. Uh, 375 for me, um, pretty much standard for Oma Gang, anywhere from that 375 to 425 range. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Pretty creamy, pretty flavorful. Um, yeah. Oma Gang is some good stuff. I think we've done a couple of their beers on mm-hmm. our show. Um, we've done at least one. They've got really good stuff. Uh, I would love to go out there at some point. Um, they distribute all over New York, Connecticut, and a little bit in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, too. Go check them out. Uh, this week, 
It was pretty tough if you're in New England. Temperatures got down to under 30 degrees, and that was miserable. I walked outside on Saturday morning, and it was 29 degrees here in Providence, Rhode Island at like 6.30, 7 o'clock. It was absolutely dismal. So the cold makes me think of, you know, nice heartwarming beers for the winter season. And for me, that is none other than Sam Adams Cold Snap. Mm. That is probably my favorite winter, like, light beer. If we're throwing stouts out the window and you got to do like a, a winter ale of some sort, like a, a lighter one, it's either Blue Moon or Sam Adams Cold Snap. And um, it just does it. I'm going to go to my local package store and pick some up at some point, leave them in the fridge, and uh, that'll be my go-to winter beer. Very easy to drink, 5.3 uh, ABV. Kind of tastes like a Blue Moon with spice. Just going to say it. Tastes a little bit like a Blue Moon with like cloves and mulling spices and nutmeg. Um, pairs really nice with like a like a light grilled chicken, like with pasta or some shit. Um, you know what? Call me crazy. I would even consider giving Cold Snap a 375. I don't think that's out of the... Throwing it out to the universe. No, it's not out of the question. Um, I think it's out of the question. For a mainstream beer, not too bad uh, for of a rating. So on a bad day, a cold snap can be like a three to a two, seven, five, but so can every beer, like a Bud Light, of course, that kind of stuff. So I'll take cold snap here. Uh, and I just, I love that kind of shit in the winter. It makes me think of Christmas for some reason or like skiing or something. I don't know. Those lighter beers tend to do it for me when you just don't want to bite into a stout. So that's a beer review uh let's kick off episode 67 folks we've got connor talking about conspiracies uh the latest thing that he's up to in the content creation world and uh, we're talking some business as well talking a lot about elon musk and the stuff that's gone on this past couple of week and then we'll dive right into it with josh adams from college hoops digest so let's get the show on the road here is episode 67 beers business and balls all right, everybody, with this this week, recurring guest, two-time guest, one of the OGs from way back when, we got Conspiracy, uh, Guantanamo Con, Connor, down in Connecticut. Uh, you might have known him from the unexplained Con underscore Spiracies, Morbid Facts. He is the guru on TikTok, the guru on social media, the just all-time true crime, conspiracy, you name it, he's that guy. He has the mustache that is recognizable by all Connor joins the pod yet again. Welcome back to Beers, Business, and Balls. And how you doing, my guy? Great. I appreciate that introduction. It's been a while. Last time I was on here, I was shit-talking TikTok. Remember that? <laughs> wow, the tables have turned. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah you, uh, you were anti-TikTok, and then it was like, hey, we gotta, you got to hop on it. You got to hop on it and make it big. Now you're verified. A couple million followers under the belt. Not too shabby. Crazy. So crazy I mean, how my attitude changed toward it. What was that? Crazy how my attitude changed toward the yeah, app. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, we'll just start it right off there. So, you know, since we last talked, the brand has absolutely exploded. You know, tell us what you've been up to, how the accounts are doing, and uh, you know, what's new in the conspiracy world from your end. Uh so doing great with the TikTok and everything. It's it's only been like a year at this point. I just had like my 
one year anniversary of the face reveal. So all this is still pretty new to me. Um, but right now I'm at the point where I'm, I'm trying to push to a new platform, looking for that, uh, that next avenue, whether it be streaming on Twitch or making YouTube videos. Maybe I'll try my hand at Insta again. We'll see. But um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking good right now. So you are now a known podcast guy too. Um, you know, you've made your debut obviously on Beers, Business and Balls back in the day. And now you went on another House Enterprise podcast and Kill and Tell, hanging out with uh, Kaylee and Kelsey. How was that experience? Yeah. What were some of the, the crazy shit that you guys talked about? Uh, that's a must listen episode, by the way. Oh, yeah. That was a great conversation. Uh, they got a great show over there. They definitely know their stuff. Awesome talking about conspiracies, people who truly have a passion for it. Um, let's see, we went into Epstein, uh, recent stuff on UFOs, you know how I am with all that stuff. Uh, we went into, well, the Brian Laundry case was going on at the time. That's kind of wrapped up now. Um, yeah, it was a great, uh, great talk over there. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we, you, you mentioned aliens, obviously that's something that has slowly and surely re-entered into people's everyday conversation. I mean, in the peak of COVID, they obviously released like their, you know, the government released the intel that they didn't say yes or no to aliens, but they're like, they are these spacecrafts that we have no idea what they are, who they are, and they're chilling. Uh, you know, what's your take on everything with that? I mean, we obviously know your stance and you're the believer. And I think both of us are as well. That it's like, we clearly aren't the only people, um, you know, in this galaxy, in this universe, but you know, with that new information that came out, you know, what do you, what do you like? What do you dislike? What do you, what's your take from that? Well, they're basically saying, yes, these crazy objects exist. They, they fly at super fast speeds. And this is technology that we don't know we're at least not capable of. We don't know where it's from. And they're sort of saying, uh, you know, it might not be aliens. It could be a foreign power that had some kind of quantum leap. But I mean, let's be honest, these, these reports have been going on since the 50s, 60s. If a, if a country had that capability, we would know by now. They would have exploited it to some extent. So it's, it's aliens. It's aliens, dude. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, I guess in your, you know, years of doing this and years of, you know, speaking about aliens and speaking about a ton of different things, what are some of those big, you know, instances or stories that come to mind to you when the topic aliens gets brought up? The one that really broke it open for me, because I've gone back and forth. It's been a journey in my uh, belief of UFOs. Of course, I always believed in aliens, extraterrestrial life chances of it are just astronomical, but um, my journey on UFOs has been a little different. The one that really broke it open for me, it was actually not until COVID last year when uh, I actually started going deep on this stuff, um, but the one that really broke it open was Commander Fravor on uh, that podcast on uh, with Joe Rogan. David Fravor, he uh, he chased one back in 2004 on the uh, USS Nimitz. Holy shit. Yeah. You never listened to that podcast? No. I didn't I've, seen, even I've seen the clips, but I haven't listened to, you know, the full, 
the full lengths of it. Yeah, that because that one is just you. You listen to the guy, and he's just. I mean, he's he was a commander in the Navy. That he's the most reputable guy you can possibly. Rhode Island homeowners, if you have a power. So. Yeah, that was the case where I was like, okay, this this is a real phenomenon. And then from there, I kind of went back in history and I was looking at different cases and everything starts to line up and you, you start to think, holy shit, you know, like this is happening and people are just not really paying attention to it. Because, you know, the thing with UFOs is it's not like the, it's not like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster where it's not the type of thing where the more research you do on it, the the more you realize that it's probably bullshit. It's the complete opposite with UFOs. The more you actually look into it, the more you realize, wow, like this, this is actually something that happens. It's not bullshit. There's, there's an element to that too of, I feel like as this has been researched more and a lot of the legwork you did back in the day when you know Twitter was getting big and you know Unexplained was uh, cranking those like early conspiracy talks, like some of the more popular ones. Whenever I think of UFOs and aliens and stuff, I think of the Roswell, New Mexico stuff where, you know, back in 1947, uh, this was one of the first cases that everybody was like, all right, shit, maybe there's some truth to that. But I think that's also like a gateway case to open up the fact that um, people are looking into government cover-ups now too, right? I feel like that accelerated Area 51's conspiracy theories, you know, in parallel, but, you know, I, I think that opens up another realm of like, all right, the government knows some shit that we don't. And it's, you know, with every one of these conspiracy theories, it's like, all right, you know, we're probably getting more towards that place now. It's kind of weird because it's almost like there's a reversal at this point because it's almost like the government is opening up about it when nobody's really asking for it. You know what I mean? I mean, last year there was that huge, or was it just last summer, that huge uh, Pentagon report of UFOs. And then you have people like Obama, uh, uh, a few big big names is talking about saying that this is actually happening that there there are these objects flying around that we we have no idea what they are so i mean it's it's weird times because that whole cover-up thing is kind of it's kind of faded since uh since that time that it was you know that's what they yeah doing. and it makes you think when it's like you know they start to reveal this information which we you know you know, there's been reports about this for decades, right? Um, but they start to release this information to maybe like, you know, dilute everyone and head everyone to, oh yeah, go look into the aliens, go look into the UFO stuff. It's like, what are they covering up to be like, right. what piece yeah. of information can we give now that we need to hide later kind of thing? Like what's so bad where they're like, all right, let's just, let's bust open the aliens and just get, get them talking about that. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's crazy. I mean, I've always said every year, you know, every couple of years, when obviously a new president comes in and they have the video, uh, because everything's obviously publicized and filmed, but they have the video of like all the current presidents walking to like have their like private meeting to like reveal whatever information. I'm like, to be a fly in the wall, to hear that kind of stuff, like what, what only living presidents know and can only be in that room, that's got to be crazy. Right. Insane. I mean, even the vice president isn't let in on. on yeah. Much. And it's like how much they know, how much they don't know. It's it's a it's a whole, whole crazy world. But you brought up you brought up Joe Rogan before. 
Um, you know, what are your thoughts on Joe Rogan in terms of like just the news he breaks and stuff? Because I have, you know, there was an episode that I listened to recently of him um, that I will bring up that topic next, but I just want to hear your thoughts and like the conversations that he has with certain people. Oh, I mean, he's the most, he's one of the most reasonable guys out there. You know, he breaks things down so well. People just assume that he's just some kind of big meathead uh, who, who trips on mushrooms, but the guy is very well-spoken. I mean, he, he's able to hold conversations with literally some of the smartest people in the world. I mean, he's good friends with Elon Musk. Just, just look at that. So, I mean, Joe Rogan, yeah, Joe Rogan's the type of guy that he's the best podcaster in the world. He's the, he's a guy that I want facilitating these conversations. He, and there also is some truth to like, yes, he is the big meathead that does trip. Like nothing you said was false there. <laughs> he does trip out on mushrooms and he's a meathead. Like it's all right. fine. It's all good and fine. But he's also just, he, he's an incredibly well-educated man. And I think that's what, you know, the there's a stigma around like you know those guys that you know just kind of spew whatever bullshit they want like you know you throw alex jones into a, a similar bucket but you know people don't realize that joe rogan's like actually a, a very intelligent dude exactly that's exactly yeah and always all, all we want to say is you know now that you are getting a couple podcasts under your belt and you're you know you're entering into the world of podcasting when you get on joe rogan we'll take the plus one and two invites mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, right. we will, we don't even need to see anything. We just want to say hi and just sit there and watch, listen to the conversation. Bring the beer. He can have a nice homebrew, uh, or if he wants any other sort of harder drug, we can find it legally for him. And there you go. We'll make Joe Rogan a beer, a special beer just for him. Awesome. Yeah, you guys are preemptively invited to that. <laughs> there, we go. there we go. Sounds like, yeah, you guys are invited to something to, that doesn't exist that I myself and we're speaking it we're speaking that into existence but you know the reason we brought up the reason why i brought up joe rogan and with that episode i listened to a while back um it's starting to come up a decent amount and it's the bohemian grove um which is obviously a whole cult like you know we're talking about influential leaders and what they know and what they control um but this bohemian grove it's something that is absolutely absurd if you haven't looked it up you know for the listeners uh, following along to this podcast. I mean, it's essentially a, you know, secret society that burns, you know, an owl statue for sacrifice and has these ritualistic, you know, ceremonies and robes and chants and stuff, but it's with, you know, the country's elite. So, you know, what do you know about Bohemian Grove? I mean, you're shaking your head, you're not. And so you definitely have some opinions on it. And uh, what can you tell everybody? Well, yeah, it's, just, it's crazy how Bohemian Grove is is real like it's not like a conspiracy theory like this is we don't know exactly what they do there but these prominent elites do go there every year it's and they're it's this campground in California and it's surrounded by security every time they hold this event so they're I guess the, the speculation is that they're uh they work on methods of controlling the population and uh i guess setting the propaganda and what what the agendas they're going to push um but alex jones actually snuck in there in the early 2000s and caught some crazy footage so if you guys haven't seen that you definitely have to check it out because it is freaky whether or not even if they weren't if we're not talking about politicians elites 
whatever artists, all the people that go to that, even if it wasn't people like that, it is a creepy, unsettling video. Regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, what is this fucking nuts? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, some of the people you just like look up, like notable members uh, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, Charles Schwab, Clint Eastwood, Mark Twain. Like, this is obviously over years and years, but it's like, it's your, it's, it's your, your, your 1%, your top of the world. And it's like, you know, how much are they controlling? Right. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a crazy thought. There are people who say it's just a big, a big gay orgy. It's a huge orgy. It could. I mean, that has some merit to it too, but I don't know. So were any of you guys house of cards fans back in the day? No, no, you were doing yeah, I want you, if you will, if you saw this episode, you'll know what I'm talking about, Will, but I want you guys to go look at season five, episode eight, where Frank Underwood, basically, this is a, a shit show. I'm going to spoil most of it. You know, the election comes down to, I think, one state because it goes to Congress. It's a, like a tie. They can't find a, you know, there were too many lawsuits going on in different states as far as voter integrity and shit. So Congress had to decide the president and they have about three, four months to do it until they swear him in. So Frank shows up at this place called Elysian Fields and it's the same exact shit as what people have called Bohemian Grove. It's all the powerful people. They're burning a scarecrow at the stake. It's like they're, they're all wearing their white cloaks and shit. I almost think that that's like, it was a little too real for me. It was way too unsettling because I think that's almost exactly what the people see when they think of bohemian grove yeah like that doesn't even sound theatrical that just that sounds like an accurate representation of what is actually going on there yeah and i mean kind of on a similar topic because i don't know if this individual is part of bohemian grove but he's clearly making headlines and he is you know controlling a lot what's going on in media and which way stocks are moving but it's uh elon musk you know, Tesla's Tesla's number one. The guy is, you know, all over cryptocurrency. Anytime he tweets something, the stock moves. It's 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 quite incredible. But uh, you know, what are your thoughts with uh Elon and you know what what he's doing and what he's working on? I mean, he's just an animal. Uh, like I don't. Uh, when do you stop at that point? What's his net worth up to at this point? Three hundred billion. It, it, basically doubled in the last month or so. I mean, he's got some really cool stuff that he's working on. Let's see. He's uh, he quietly gained 18.4 billion since last week. So that's right. nice. That's uh, insane. Like insane. sick. Dinner. Um, he's uh, let's see what's in the works. Starlink is going to be really cool. That uh, that's basically a bunch of satellites that will give you wi-fi anywhere in the world um and then he's he's also got the boring company going now do you guys know if he uh i heard that he started trials in las vegas with that the uh the underground uh train system i guess i have read that yeah i don't know if it's officially started but i know that yeah it was supposed to be in vegas that he had an idea for it but he got the government approval a few weeks ago like okay. from the actual towns in Vegas to start testing this shit or Nevada, I should say. Cool. I yeah, mean, I know a lot of people don't like Elon, but he's he's fucking awesome. He's got he's a visionary. Cool. He's a visionary, and it's like with that much money, he's actually doing something. And like, exactly. it's different from like Bezos, who has you know he's right on his tail with the money, but it's like 
you know, you don't really hear about the, you know, incredible things that he's trying to do. It's more, it seems more of like self uh, gratification or just like, you know, yeah, I'm going to space, but it's like, okay, cool. You're talking, you took William Shatner to space. Like, what does that do for everybody else? Absolutely. So he is, uh, he's definitely something. I mean, I'm still, I'm still waiting for him or the, uh, I believe it was the World Health Organization or the United Nations that, which is like, oh, if Elon sold 1% of his, like 1% of his net worth, like we can solve world hunger. He's like, I'll sell yeah. my stock right now. Just tell me what it will do. Or am I just giving you money to give you money? Like, yeah, it's like if the UN can map me out a plan of how 6 billion would eliminate world hunger, I'll sell all my Tesla stock. And sure yeah. enough, <laughs> Nothing. I don't think the UN's coughing up shit because the president of the United States just fell asleep at their convention the other day. So, but it's literally, it's like he's literally like, okay, you you're challenging me to like, you know, end something that we've been talking about for hundreds and hundreds of years. Okay, I'll do it. Tell me yeah, what, yeah. tell me what I need. Show me the numbers. Yeah, yeah left them on red. He's kind of calling out the. I, I like how much he's calling out like government in general, though. I saw him talk. This was looking back at it, one of the probably one of the best like business moments of my life. I saw him speak. I was seven rows, uh, you know, behind the stage in fucking Texas, where he just shows up at South by Southwest and goes, "Yeah, I want to talk." And they're like, "All right, cool." And he's sitting there talking about like democracy on Mars, and my jaw's down to here because I I physically like honestly didn't understand a word he was saying, and I still really don't. Like I've rewatched that talk at least probably twenty times. And I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? He's one of those guys that his his intelligence just transcend what we're incapable or what we're capable of like digesting yeah. right now. It's difficult for him to, to communicate his ideas because he's it like, is. And that's probably because he has like Asperger's, which he's been yeah. open about, but and that's probably why he's also working on um uh what is it? What uh Neuralink. Yeah. But that's what he says it's going to allow you to do to convey an idea without actually speaking. So and maybe that's his primary objective. So, I, you could have fooled me because this is nuts. It's like, I don't, I can't understand like, Oh, how can you get an idea from someone without speaking it to them or like transmitting it to them just using brain signals like that shit is just so beyond humanity right now. I mean, supposedly that's how aliens communicate. They just go, they go right to the center of your brain that perceives language and communication. And it's, it, it's just one language for everyone. It just goes right there, right to your understanding. Oh my God. To close the book on Elon though, before we move on here to other shit, just give us your prediction. This is a business podcast too. Over under two years before Elon gets to a trillion as a net worth. Um. Uh, I'm giving it about two years. I think it's going to be a push. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what did we just say his numbers at? Three something? 320 as of today. Going fast. Tesla is basically taking over the car market. It's exploding. Still has room to grow. I can see it in a couple of years. The thing is, does he even profit off of some of these other companies? Are they just under Tesla's like accounting? No, I don't either. know. I'm no. not really sure. He probably, my guess would be yes, like SpaceX and uh, Boring Company on that shit. My guess would be yes, but I don't really know. I'm going to say under just because I think um, there's going to be one day where crypto just fucking 
soars and Tesla is going to be like 50% Bitcoin and Bitcoin's supposed to go by the end of the year. So, well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, if he goes aggressive, if he's bullish on Bitcoin and he's like, fuck it, you know, let's put all our reserves instead of investing them in like the traditional stock bond mix, like let's just go fucking throw it all at Bitcoin and then it's going to surge one day and he's going to be like, all right, I'm a trillionaire. Fuck it. I think it's going to happen like next year. I can see that. It's a matter of, yeah, just something. It's just a matter of something like that happening, really. And I'm sure once he hits a trillion, he'll hit two trillion, you know, rather quickly after that. It's just how, yeah. how he's doing shit at this point. Fucking Elon, man. He is. Uh, maybe one day he'll be the next president. They're scared of him, man. He has so much power. They hate him. He, he, uh, he, people awesome. forget he wants to start uh, Texas Institute of Technology and Sciences, too. Tits. Right. <laughs> Mr. College of South Harmon Institute of Technology. Yeah. Fucking man. Hey, you got to respect it. And that's another one, too, where it's like, you know, what a dream, you know, in, in your podcasting world might be to go on Joe Rogan. A dream would just be to have 10 minutes with Elon. Oh, yeah. 10 I'm minutes. Serious. Yeah. Dude, but 10 minutes is such a tease because I know, but it's like the surface and it's like, oh my God, I want to talk so much about like fucking batteries now. Yeah. How many times has he been on Rogan? Oh, like four or five. Holy shit. He hasn't been on there recently. I'll probably be on soon. Damn. Yeah. I don't know how he does it. Insane. Insane. But. Yeah, I mean, so going back into that, you know, conspiracy world, we got some new conspiracies that, uh, you know, have been brought up. So the first one is going to be, you know, that we want to mention is the Judy uh, Mikovits, that virologist that's making a bunch of accusations on Fauci. You know, what have you heard or could you describe the scenario to everyone on like what what those accusations might entail? No, can, can you guys? I don't, I don't know much about that. Well, is that yeah. about? I mean, I'm not surprised if Fauci has new allegations. Right. Basically, this this was some person that they say went rogue and said like, oh, you know, Fauci invented all of this shit. He he is working undercover with the China to, you know, manufacture COVID-19 in Wuhan. Um, face masks actually activate coronavirus um, <laughs> and way increase their chances, which... Like her delivery method was so absurd, but the bottom line here is like Fauci is under fire now. Like now people are comfortable, like throwing these conspiracy theories out with them. And this is one of them. That's like, that's been the most popular for sure. Like, you know, Hey, you guys got to watch out for this dude, basically. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's at, it's at that point with him. I mean, especially when the, the shit about the dogs came out. Like my God, dogs! Uh, cut. He what he slice or not him? Doctor Fauci's standing with the knife. <laughs> I mean, it was his idea. I think it was his his research and his idea. Right? Yeah, it was his idea. Probably was. Yeah, that's that's some psychopath. That's some serious. You just Google Anthony Fauci and dogs. The first thing that pops up is a Washington Post opinion article, and it says, "Why is Anthony Fauci trying to kill my puppy?" <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's fucked up. Morbid fact: uh, they use beagles for a lot of those dog experiments because beagles are supposedly the most forgiving dogs. 
So they'll allow you to push the limits with them more. Oh, that's fucked. that's so fucked up. Wait, I just wait. So can you I, say that? Can you say that morbid fact in your voice though? <laughs> I have to. I have to read it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh my god! The first line of this Washington Post article too is. My family recently got a new puppy. He's a strong-willed and mouthy, but lovable little nipper. Unfortunately, though, I can't take him out on walks because here in the capital, we have a puppy killer on the loose, a murderous psychopath known as Anthony S. Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, these, these experiments are fucked up. For those that don't know what we're talking about, I guess he's funding research to experiment on dogs. Um, what the fuck? Is that, do we need to know anything else? I certainly don't think so. That's... Did you not hear about this? Heard I it. heard a little bit about it, but I don't like, I didn't look into this. Yeah. I don't need to go into the, I don't know if I want Oh to no, I'm not asking you to, I'm just saying like, we don't need to hear more about it. It's he's fucking experimenting on dogs. Yeah. He's experimenting on dogs, doing horrible things to, to dogs. Oh, Basically man. for all in the name of science, it's science. If you're against these experiments, you're against Dr. Fauci, you're against science according to him. Piece of shit. Just yeah. shows what happens when you when you get that much power. It's gonna go to your head. It's you know. So in your research, and you know, you obviously you know pushing content with conspiracy and morbid facts and everything. It's like how much have you uncovered in the past year about COVID, Fauci, or you know anything in that realm? A good amount. Uh, problem is, a lot of that's well, at least not now. It's not very political now, but for a while that stuff was very political. So I didn't really post too much on like Dr. Fauci and whatnot, but I came across a lot of messed up stuff. I mean, the, the guy has never really been good at his position is, is what it comes down to. He uh, shit the bed during AIDS, very similarly to how he's handling COVID right now, even though he was praised for it. He, uh, during AIDS, he basically said that uh, it's, AIDS is an airborne illness. Keep your kids away from gay people. And he was he got awards for it. And it seems like that's exactly what's going on right now. It's just he's propped up as this guy that you that knows all. You have to listen to him. But at the end of the day, he's he's really just their means of communicating their basic agenda. So what do you think gives on that? Like, what's the point? Is it just a matter of time that like people realize he's full of shit or does something have to like crack from, from the research you've done? Like what did him in on AIDS and like HIV? Like when did people finally start figuring he was full of shit? It's that's the thing. It's kind of a known thing. It's, it's just out there. It's information that people know about, but they'll just, they're going to continue propping him up as this guy that we should listen to. Cause I don't know. It seems like people just, aren't freaking out enough about it especially after the dog thing you would think okay this is this is a total outrage like we need to start asking questions who the fuck is this guy mm -hmm. it's yeah not, it's very strange and, and now when you're stuff. when you're finding all of this information and you're doing your research and stuff and obviously like your goal is to make content um you know have you had problems over the past months or the past year in terms of like posting stuff and things getting flagged or things getting taken down like what is that whole you know how does that work in your industry in your realm it's weird well tiktok is just their their guidelines just aren't aren't very uh well established it's it's hard to know exactly what you should and shouldn't be putting out there 
these days it's just i guess with social media in general it's it's tough to uh get past some of those guidelines with conspiracies and the type of stuff that i deal with because it of course it can cross into the path of you know crazy people inciting crazy things uh or just there's so many kids on the internet now uh you know it's apps platforms like tiktok obviously you have to be very strict on what they're allowing so i mean it is tough uh, at this point i kind of have tiktok down at least but you know a lot of times i'll, I'll come across a really good post and i'll be like nope can't can't use that one mm. so, yeah I mean, there's, enough, there's enough morbid content out there trust me <laughs> yeah that is true that's the thing, like, and, you know, we've, we've only got a couple minutes left, too. I think we've, uh, you know, kind of done a pretty decent capture of what conspiracies are, are popular right now. But in terms of, like, you know, obviously, you started off as a conspiracy, uh, you know, brand and TikTok, if you will, and probably going to run out at some point was the general thought path. But you haven't. You've done more shit. You've done different stuff. You've played in different areas. You've done like the insane coincidence stuff, the morbid facts. You know, how have you pivoted kind of just to, to keep yourself fresh and to keep your, you know, your content engaging and stuff like that? Give us a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically how I've been able to stay relevant with a lot of my content. I luckily my my sort of niche is is very i try to keep it very vague or very uh general like uh hashtag weird talk just any any kind of weird content i try to dig into and see how i can turn that into a post and fit it into you know the type of content that i put out there so yeah i'm, I'm constantly looking for different ways to innovate different ways there's a lot of content that i'm sitting on and i'm just wondering how to get it out there the right way, what kind of uh, series I could put it into, like insane coincidences. You know? 100%, 100%. Well, Connor, we appreciate you coming on the show as always. Uh, you know, we're excited to, you know, keep you as your recurring guest. You're our, you're our conspiracy guy and we're, we're thankful for that. Um, you know, where can our listeners find your content online and engage with you all over social media? Uh, you could check out my TikTok at con underscore conspiracy. That's I'm most active on there, but uh, you could also check me out on Insta at morbid underscore facts. Trying to get that going again. But yeah, those those are two places to catch me. Awesome, con appreciated as always. Uh, go check out the latest episode of Kill and Tell as well. Actually, second latest now. Con talks get with. Back on soon. Oh Wait. shit. There we go. Recurring guests for the pod. Two recurring guests in the house. This is un good stuff. And Love this brand guy. <laughs> he is brand a brand guy. guy. We're gonna He's need. We're guy. gonna need to get Con of a podcast starting soon. Yeah. The Conspiracy yes. Show. I, I love it. Sponsored by the House Enterprise family. Twenty percent off at Manscaped plus free shipping too. There we go. <laughs> really, I'm, I mean, I'm that deal. If if I start a pod, yeah. code house. <laughs> Talk about it. There we oh, go. We love it. All right, fellas. Con, thanks so much. Yeah, Always appreciate it. And that was just Connor of Conspiracies, uh, the TikTok man, the TikTok legend. He joined us on the show to talk about all things conspiracies and morbid facts. Recurring guests, we always appreciate having him on. And then now, you know, we're going to head to our ball segment. 
Uh, before we do, the ball segment of Beers Businesses Balls is presented by Manscaped. Uh, use Coast House for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped, the ultimate gift for guys and gals. Uh, you know, your balls will thank you later, and it's the best way to trim that bush. They have a whole line of products from deodorants, moisturizers, the trimmer, the lawnmower itself. Um, but like we said, Black Friday shopping coming up. Christmas is on its way. We're not skipping over Thanksgiving. We're just stating facts. Everyone's going to need to get those gifts. So if you head over to Manscaped, use the code HOUSE, you get 20% off plus free shipping. Check them out. Like we said, your balls will thank you later. But of course, we are talking balls and we have a great, great guest to uh, help us wrap up the show. If you read on our, our website and blog today, you heard the news, College Hoop Digest is joining the House Enterprise Band, the original founder, the Ravens man. I mean, we're talking basketball, but of course you had to you know, make that loop. Josh Adams, the founder of College Hoop Digest, and now our Ravens writer, and of course, writing more college basketball hoops, joins the show. Josh, welcome to the family, and uh, let's hear it. How's everything going? Everything's great, Will. Thanks so much for having me on uh, the podcast, and thank you, Jay, for having me on. I'm excited. I can't wait to get the season going. I'm, I'm so excited to join House Enterprise. I think it's a, uh, you know, when I reached out to you guys to write a little football this year and uh, really got to know the website a little bit, I figured, you know, coming up on college basketball season, I figured it would be a perfect match. And uh, I'm really excited to get going. And, uh, you know, I've worked with Jake, I've worked with you, Will, and I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm really fired up. I can't wait to get started. Absolutely. So, I mean, just to give everyone, you know, our listeners and the people of the House Enterprise world, just get a little context, you know, you started this journey uh, over to almost 10 years ago. You know, what what was your vision with the site when you first started? And, uh, you know, what was your introduction to college basketball that made you want to have a blog about it? Well, it, it's been so long. Uh, I remember about 10 years ago, I was working for a website, Stadium Journey. Dot com and uh i was doing a you know they just kind of do arena reviews and stuff like that and i started doing a lot of college basketball arena reviews and it sort of rekindled my dad and i would go to our sport was college basketball so we go to we went to a lot of games when i was a kid and it really rekindled that and uh i started writing a little bit and i, I figured you know what let's start out a blog and i started writing and Next thing you know, the first university that ever gave me a credential, God bless him, was long uh, LIU. So started in the NEC. You know that was that was the seed right there. So I started covering LIU, and then really pressed to cover St. John's a little bit. And Mark Frado, their SID, finally kind of opened the door, and that opened the door to all the other Big East teams, and it just sort of grew from there. So. You know, it was, it's been a labor of love, but it's been a hell of an experience. And, uh, you know, we've gotten to know a lot of players, a lot of coaches. And uh, most importantly, we've gotten to give a lot of young writers a chance to get, get their, you know, in their foot in the door a little bit. And I, that's the thing I, I love the most about what the site's done, for sure. Well, let's talk about the mantra, too. You know, on, on the front of College Troops Digest for many years and now continues to live, obviously, through House Enterprise is national coverage and local writers, right? Mm -hmm. When I first started writing for you two years ago, Josh, you were very clear. We're not interested in game recaps, right? We're not interested in, you know, just this person scored 10 points. This guy had five rebounds. Um, more about the stories. So let's dive into that a bit more. What a 
about a story makes it just so appealing to the, the consumer that you're after? I, I think the consumer has the wrong idea about athletes a lot. And they, you know, all these guys have backstories that are, that most of them are pretty fascinating. You know, I can think of Seton Hall, which is the team I covered, or, you know, pretty much my local team, my, my local beat. You know, you have a guy like, like uh, Sandro uh, Mamukelashvili, who comes from the Republic of Georgia and played in Italy, you know, Italy and all around Europe and comes to South Orange, New Jersey, and now is on the Milwaukee Bucks. And his parents don't get him to see him play. And, you know, but he's a, he's a humble, intelligent, fascinating guy. And his guy, and his stories like that, and he's obviously intelligent. Guys like Miles Powell, you know, who showed up freshman year. Everyone sort of wrote him off. He was out of shape and he worked his way into becoming an All-American. And all the time he's humble, soft-spoken, intelligent. My aim was always to tell that their stories, I guess, and to tell their stories and let people know that, that, that the it's not a dumb jock scenario here, that most of these players are very intelligent and they're very driven. And they all are pretty well aware that very few of them will actually make the NBA and they're keen on their futures and they all have different backgrounds. And it's been, you know, it's been great to know their stories and be able to tell their stories. And that's been pretty much what I've set out to do since we started up this website. Right on. And, you know, over the years, you know, you touched upon a couple of these players, but um, you know, you've had so many of these different journeys and so many of these different moments, and you've met so many people along the way that now have contributed to the site for years to come. Is there any, you know, story in particular that sticks out that you were like, wow, I get to do this for, you know, my passion. I get to write about college basketball and be like, this is my site. I'm finally doing something that's, uh, you know, aligned with what I love. Well, absolutely. I, the, the two, the, the, Three things that come to mind. Well, I, I grew up a Duke fan, uh, you know, and, and uh, the three things that come to mind are I was the ACC tournament was in Brooklyn, I believe, four, three or four years ago. I think it was 2018, 2017 or 2018. Uh, right before they played Duke, North Carolina, I actually got stuck in the tunnel that from the locker room to the court with the Duke basketball team on their way out to warmups. So the security closed it off. So it was the Duke team with Marvin Bagley, Grayson Allen, everybody else, uh, Coach K, all in this tunnel, and me. And I <laughs> <laughs> and this is right before they're playing North Carolina. In the, and you know, you you think to yourself, this this is just you know beyond the pale. But I you know there it's it's being able to get into Mad going into Madison Square Garden and you know going through the press entrance and, and being on the floor of, of these historic arenas and, you know, it, talking with like Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett when they played for Duke and, and, and it, these athletes are, are, they actually take the time to actually thoughtfully answer your questions. And, and I'm always just, and now you see these guys in the NBA and you go, you know what? I, that, that guy took time to actually listen to me and, and talk to me. So I have a million stories about all these players. You know, I've been able to been blessed to have covered Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State, Duke, you, you name a classic program and, and I've been there. And there's just so many 
you know, we could go 45, I could go 45 days talking about it, but it's, it's, there's just been so many little things, but yes, getting stuck in the tunnel. I've always been wanted my, my college basketball dream was always to go to a Duke North Carolina game and to actually be stuck in the tunnel with the Duke team prior to them going out on the floor for a good five, 10 minutes was, uh, was probably the, the apex of, of my experience right there. So then on the other end, Josh, you had last year, uh, where uh-huh. no spectators in the building for the most part, uh, definitely not a lot of media in the building as well. And, you know, to be blunt, puts a blemish on your experience. And of course the athletes experience and everybody else's experience, right. Um, the trouble and the pain of last year, you know, talk us through that. What, uh, you know, what's going on in your mind about where the sport lied and, and kind of where it, uh, how it stacked up last year? Well, I, you know, it was, a, it was disappointing in, on so many levels. Um, you know, the 2019 uh, Seton Hall team with Miles Powell as an All-American with, with, with Quincy McKnight as a point guard, Sandro, they were a legitimate dark horse final four team. I thought, you know, if they, if all the cylinders were going, they finally beat Villanova. Uh, you know, they were, they were rolling, they were going into the big East tournament. I thought if they got some momentum there, they could really roll into the NCAA tournament and, and possibly, you know, make this elite eight final four. And that the rug got pulled underneath that, you know, as soon as the, that tournament started in 2019. And then, you know, just the, I, I went to a few games at the Prudential Center last year and did not have any specs. College basketball, is, as, as you guys know, it is such a spectator sport. The players feed off the energy of the crowd. They feed off the energy of the cheerleaders, the band, the whole spectacle of college basketball. You know, And to have those players, especially the players in their senior year, robbed of that experience, of, of this kabuki theater of, of you know, cardboard cutouts at the Prudential Center and fake piped in crowd noise your senior year, my heart breaks for them. It really does. You know, I, I they, everyone was robbed, I think, of, of that experience. And I think that's why you go play college basketball is to be that big man on campus, is to play in front of, you know, your your fellow students and, and everything else. And just the dynamic of last year, you know, everybody was sort of just, <laughs> you know, one state said this thing and the other state said that thing and, and everyone's kind of jetting around the country. And the whole thing was basically, it was just like everything else. It was, it was you know, not consistent. And uh, I'm glad they, they figured out to do the, you know, the whole tournament in Indianapolis and they got the Sweet 16 and Final Four in. But again, my heart breaks for the players in 2019 and 20, you know, 2019 especially because there was no tournament and 2020, you know, you come back for your senior year and you don't play in front of anybody. And for that, they got robbed of that experience. And, and you know, there's nothing anyone can do about it. That's that's life and it sucks. And it was a real bummer, but I'm glad that we're all back, you know, full speed ahead, you know, looking forward, not backward. But, you know, I, there's one thing I'll take from that year is playing an empty giant. You guys have been in the Prudential Center or, you know, a giant hockey size arena with with five people in it is not a, uh, not a great basketball experience. You know, it really, uh, really was a bummer. So hopefully fingers, toes, everything else crossed, you know, we can move forward and pass that. And, and I know everyone's chomping at the bit to, to watch 
hoops live and in person because there's really nothing like it. Absolutely, 100%. And, you know, as we're closing out, it's like, you know, we're excited to have your continued support with the brand. Um, obviously, a lot of our writers are already familiar with your Ravens work and they've been very impressed, but we get to see you from a different perspective. You know, you don't have to uh, edit every blog and, you know, fight <laughs> tooth and nail for all the headlines. But what are you looking for? Look, what are you looking forward the most with this partnership of uh, College Hoops Digest and House Enterprise? Well, I, you know, I was honestly thinking about that, that, well, like I, 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 this isn't pre-scripted. I didn't, I didn't know any of these questions were coming, but I was actually thinking about what the brand's kind of coming together as I was taking a walk tonight. And, you know, the one thing that I'm very excited about, and I think that that house enterprise brings to the table big time is that as much as the three of us love college basketball. It is until late February, early March, sort of a sort of a niche type sport. You know, it gets really built up at the end of February as, as people start looking at the NCAA tournament, start filling out, you know, well, who's good, who's not. I have an office pool, you know, I'm trying to make money, I'm trying to bet. And up until then, the problem with College Hoops Digest was you had to really love college basketball to find my site, you know, like there was, you, there was no good around it. You know, it was, there was no other thing, but with what house enterprise brings is this, this big brand of, of, you know, if someone's looking at football, if someone's looking at, at, at beer, if someone's looking business, you know, anything else, they can look at the site and go, Oh, they have college hoops too. Let me take a, let take a quick look here as well. So I'm excited in the fact that we could get new, you know, people looking just for the fact that, you know, they weren't exactly coming to House Enterprise for college basketball, but they see it there, there and they, hey, they might, they might take a look. So I think that's going to be a, a, you know, I'm excited to get more, you know, people who may have just said, I'm not into college games till March, you know, wake me up in March when I, you know, when I have to fill up the pool and, uh, I think House Enterprise will, will get more people uh, involved much earlier. I think the numbers will look a lot, <laughs> a lot better before March. So that's the goal, that's right? And uh, you know, the part of that is to make the sport easy to understand, right? Um, yeah. And also to just uh, you know, as we did on our Twitter space just now, throw some stuff on the wall and hope it sticks is is half mm-hmm. the battle, right? So. Let's do it now. Uh, we gave our final four predictions on our Twitter space, and now it's with that off the off the dome, right? What four teams are showing up in your final four? Well, I'm going to go with Duke for Jake. I know you went with Duke too. For I think Coach K is going to get every single call from here from the, <laughs> the ACC tournament on. Every charge block call is going to go uh, Duke's way. He's up paid until off and off refs. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. You know, Gonzaga is going to be obviously, you know, a force to be reckoned with, with, with Timmy. So I, I go with Gonzaga too. UCLA, you guys made a lot of good points with Johnny Juzang. And, 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 you know, I underestimated how good of a coach Mick Cronin is, I think. And uh, he really proved a lot uh, last tournament to me. You know, I, I wasn't a big fan of that hire uh at ucla but uh obviously the guy can coach his ass off and the fourth well we'll go with with with, with jeff gordon's texas longhorns you know i think chris beard uh will be able to bring that 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 team to a level that that shaka smart couldn't you know i think he needed a guy a texas guy in that seat and uh 
but that's that's another storyline you know i could go off on a tangent here but i'm interested the the shock of smart to marquette is going to be a fascinating thing as well so texas duke gonzaga ucla is my final four all right it's in the hey we're in the record all three of us are on the record uh, we'll reevaluate obviously come yep. march and uh, you know we're all going to have individual pieces on you know, some sort of final four, you know, who your powerhouse is and so on. But uh, Josh, we appreciate the time. We appreciate the opportunity. We're really looking forward to this and uh, let's go to the moon with it. We're uh, full steam ahead and this is going to be great. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we have a good group of writers, you know, good, good group of guys. And, you know, I, I know uh, whoever listens to this, if you have, you know, especially if you're a student, like, you know, and if you're interested, you know, drop one of us a line because we're always, you know, I know I'm always looking for, for, to give opportunities to, you know, get someone's foot in the door because it really is, you know, it's, it's the best, it's the best thing you can do for somebody, you know, it really is. So I know you guys are right on board with that as well. 100%. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you very much. Welcome to the family. And uh, we sleep in May. <laughs> hey, all our NFL sleep when John Rothstein unblocks oh. us. That's when we sleep. I don't know what I did, by the way, on that. I've never served him with him. I woke up one day and I was blocked. I have no idea. And I've talked to him a million times since that, and I've never had the guts to say, Why'd you block me? So maybe next time I see him. Yeah, so we'll, me and Will logged in. We're like, What the hell? Like, Will's like, Wait, what happened? Why can't is Rothstein's tweets not loading for you? I'm like, Oh, I forgot. Josh is actually blocked by John Rothstein. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't do anything to him. I swear to God. Like, there's, uh, there's, there's, I'm a very non aggressive t- Twitter user. So I, I, I don't know. I think I was maybe retweeting him too much. Maybe I think that may have been the case early on in my uh, Twitter sphere. So I've been blocked for a long time from him, but. Hopefully we can make amends, you know, we'll go, our go, goal. get some wings and, uh, you know, we'll uh, try to buy them off at Bar Coastal. Yeah, we'll go to Bar Coastal and just see what happens. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Awesome. Well, thanks, Josh. We appreciate it. All right, guys. We'll be in touch. And uh, yeah, let's get let's get going. Let's get the season tipped off. Can't wait. Well, we thank Josh Adams. Always a pleasure. And talking about College Troops Digest is something that has certainly been on our minds for a while. Uh, we are up and running. Go to house-enterprise.com for the latest in College Hoops and everything else that you've been enjoying over the years, or excuse me, over the past couple of months as well. Go to House Enterprise for all of your content needs. This has been episode 67 of Beers, Business, and Balls. That's Will, and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. Take it easy.